Hello and welcome back to the podcast. The Sermon on the Mount represents one of Jesus' most powerful and probably influential blocks of teaching that still challenges the reader just as much today as it would have 2,000 years ago. So we're going to take the next several weeks to methodically unpack Jesus' teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we'd like to invite you to join us on that journey. If you have any more questions about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back once again as we uh, continue our study here through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We studied uh, from here last week and kind of began this study that will kind of continue over the next several weeks as we work our way through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, contained in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Our plan for this study will be to cover verses 13 through 16, kind of following the Beatitudes. But before we get into those verses, we'll read those, and and John and I will talk a little bit about them. Uh, but before we do that, John, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit of context, a little bit of setup, maybe where we've been, where we're going, to kind of help us uh, to where we are. We talked last week just about how influential Jesus' teaching is here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and it's probably some of the most well-known teachings of Jesus uh, that are contained in these chapters, and it's most likely teachings that he would discuss with people throughout his ministry, and it just so happens that kind of a collection of it is seen here in the Sermon on the Mount, but these are, are, are truths that Jesus would continue to teach as he would go city to city and have a chance to talk with different people. And the the way in which he presented this is so powerful because right off the bat, it forces you to think counter to how culture has trained us to think. We talked last week about the Beatitudes, and he talks about the blessed being those who are poor in spirit or those who mourn or those who are meek, characteristics and traits of people that you don't necessarily associate with strength and with victory and with power. But that's exactly what Jesus is equating people who who embody these character traits to. He sees them as those who are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. He sees them as the ones who who are fit to serve in Jesus's army and be soldiers of Christ, as we talked about, you know, this is going back several weeks ago now. But but he he began to teach in such a way that challenged people to re-look at the way they were living their lives and the way that culture has taught them to look at themselves. And it's the amazing thing is that it does the exact same thing for us today. You read the Beatitudes and you read what we're going to talk about today and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, and it is challenging to the way that we are trained to think. And, and that's why when it's all said and done, you know, we eventually will get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount— and everybody is just kind of astonished by what they just heard. I mean, there's almost just shock by what they just witnessed and what they just heard and the authority with which Jesus brought these things. And so it's really just an amazing collection of Jesus' teachings that are, are just as paradigm-shifting today as they would have been for the people who were hearing him in person back then. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. And when we talked about the Beatitudes 
last week, which is really the introduction to this sermon that we have laid out in front of us. The verses that we're going to study today in verses 13 through 16, to me in a lot of ways, kind of serve as the end to the introduction. Yeah. Well, next week when we start studying there from verse 17, it kind of it kind of flips into the beginning of what the middle section, the body, is really going to be. And so as we study through these, certainly keep the, the Beatitudes in your mind. I would certainly encourage that because I think it'll help here to still have that idea that he began with this this onset of, if you're going to be in my kingdom, here are characteristics or attributes, if you will, that you're going to have. And as we get through 13 through 16, to me it is the, and here are some responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so when you start to think about those two things, character traits, attributes, and then responsibilities, it really sets up, hopefully it should set up your mind for what he's going to say in what will be the really the body of the sermon. So let's go ahead and read verses 13 through 16. We'll make a few points uh, along the way. So I'm looking forward to this study, and hopefully you can follow along with us. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Uh, Jesus, again, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So as we just made mention, as he kind of transitions a little bit from character traits to now a little bit more of responsibilities, it's always striking to me, and we've probably made mention of this, and whether it's been this study or studies that we've had in the past, how simple Jesus' analogies mm-hmm. are. That, you know, what he uses, whether it be a, a parable, this is very parable-like, really, in a lot of ways. So whether it be a parable or just an everyday conversation, at times he'll walk past something and use it as a moment of teaching. So, you know, it's interesting to me that he, he makes a point about the responsibilities that we then will have within his kingdom, certainly the responsibilities we have towards other people, mm-hmm. But yet he does so in a very simplistic analogy. I mean, it is elementary when you start to think about it. It is one of those analogies, the salt, the light, that you simply cannot miss. It is, yeah. a, it is unmissable to understand the meaning. Now, the application of that mm-hmm. certainly can be a challenge sometime, but the understanding of the principle, I, I think, is, is literally unmissable, and certainly was unmissable for the culture for them as he talks about uh, lights and lamps and how they would be used, or salt and how it would be used. But even for us today, and, and our culture is very different in the way that we use salt even, and the, mm-hmm. certainly the way that we use light, sure. but yet <laughs> it still remains an unmissable analogy that is made here by Jesus. Yeah, it really is, and that it, you're so right. It is one of the traits of Jesus's teachings where he is just so gifted at at being able to take something that could otherwise be very complicated and make it something that everyone can grab hold of and and everyone can understand. And, And he uses salt and light here to make that point. And he starts out there in verse 13 
by making just a very direct statement, you are the salt of the earth. And now if you're sitting there, that's going to immediately intrigue you. Because if I'm if I'm sitting across from you and you point at me and say you are something, well that's going to that's going to pique my attention. That's going to pique my curiosity. What do you know about me? What do you see in me that makes you think that? And that's exactly what I think was probably going through the minds of the people as they sat and listened to Jesus. What, what do you know about me that makes you able to point to me, look me in the eye, and say, you are the salt of the earth? And I think what Jesus is getting at is that this is what God created us for. He created us to be useful in this world. And that's really, at the end of the day, that's what salt is. It, it's, it's useful. It has a variety of different uses. We use it today in a variety of different ways. Certainly to season our food. We use it all the time. We use it as a preservative. We use it certainly here in central Indiana in the wintertime when there's snow and ice on the road. We use salt to clear that. I put it in my water softener every few months to help purify my water. Salt has a, a variety of different uses, but that really is what it's defined as. It is useful. It is something that in society we use often, and it's readily available and I think that is, we start to think about salt in that way. And then when I think about Jesus looking at me and saying, you are the salt of the earth, he's pointing at us and he's saying, you have an intended use and purpose in this world. There is something that you have been created and designed to do. And that coming from the, the Messiah, from, from God, to, to look on mankind and say, I created you for a specific purpose. You need to be available to the world so that you can fulfill the purpose that you've been given. That is extremely powerful. And that's powerful for us to hear. That's empowering for us to hear, to recognize that, that God created me and gave me purpose in this world. And I now have an opportunity to, to go about fulfilling the purpose that he's given me, and to be useful in the ways that he wants me to be useful. That's a really empowering statement for Jesus to make. Yeah, one thing that I was uh, struck with when we start to think about, you know, this uh, idea is it comes, especially the you are statements, you are salt, he says in verse 13, you are the light in verse 14. It it comes across very Mm command-like. I mean, this is, you know, Jesus really making the point that if you're going to be a follower of mine, you're going to have certain characteristics, for sure. That's what we talked about last week. But yet you're going to have an impact on the on the world around you. You're going to have a positive impact. You're going to have a, a godly impact. You are going to be that. And it goes back to what he just was finished talking about as he's reiterated the persecution that's going to be you know coming upon them and how they handle that. Is certainly going to have an impact, you know, on the people around them, and so he he, he paints the picture that, that that this is the way it's supposed to be, and and that's what God has always done. I mean, you think about uh, throughout the the entirety of the history of man, God has used people to impact people, right? I mean, He's always done that, and he and He's going to continue to do that, and so you know, you have this picture here of salt, and one thing that really was striking to me, and I haven't thought about it a lot until re- just recently, is when we think about salt, and you made mention of all of the various uses that it has, um, all of that has to be applied, yeah. right? Salt right. sitting on the, the countertop in the shaker 
doesn't flavor my food until I sprinkle it on top of it. Mm-hmm. Salt in the wintertime does not clear my driveway until I, uh, you know, until I put it on the driveway. It, it does not soften my hard water here in Indiana until I put it into the tub that is the water softener, right? It, it does nothing, you know, sitting there on the counter or sitting in the driveway or whatever the case may be. It must be applied. And, and I think sometimes we miss that. We, we see that with light a lot of times because it, it, is, it, it goes everywhere, right? But we've got to understand that, that it, this, is, this is something that has to be applied to the world. We've got to be a part of the world. We've got to have impact. We've got to be involved with the world in, in some capacity. We've got to be involved in our communities. We've got to be involved in our families. We've got to be involved with the lost. In order to have an impact on those folks, we've got to be involved with it. And so I think that's one of the very interesting points that he's going to make. You know, he, he at the end of the verse, it's good for nothing. It's just going to be thrown out. I mean, if that's the case, going to be. And, uh, you know, certainly we move so quickly to the light analogy oftentimes that we lose sight of yeah. the, the impact of the salt. Mm-hmm. I know they're making very similar, if not really the same point. Yeah. But the light one we move to so very quickly, and I think we lose sight a little bit of the salt. Yeah, I really like what you just said there about the necessity of these things being applied in order for their purpose to be recognized and fulfilled. And I think that is so incredibly important in our society today because I think it's very easy for us to become very self-focused in the way that we go about our lives. What is it that's going to make me happy today? What do I need today? What can others do for me today? That mindset of kind of self-centeredness or, or inward looking at all times, that, that mindset is going to prohibit me from fulfilling my purpose and being available to the world around me. God didn't put me here so that I could fulfill my own desires. He put me here so that I can be useful to other people. When we think about when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's love God and love other people. It has nothing to do with me. Neither one of those have anything to do with me. And so in order for me to fulfill the purpose that God has given to me, I have to be looking out to see what I can do for other people. How can my salt and my light serve other people? And if it's hidden under a basket and nobody can see it, it's not going to do any good for anyone else. If it's sitting on the counter and not being used, that salt does nothing for anyone. I have to be serious about looking at those around me and thinking, okay, God has put me here. I'm the salt of the world, salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. Now, how am I going to apply that? How am I going to make myself available so that I can benefit others by the gifts and the talents and the opportunities and everything that God has given to me individually? How am I going to apply those things to the world? And that has to be a day-in, day-out mindset that we challenge ourselves with because it's so very easy. And quite honestly, specifically in in this country, self-centeredness is oftentimes rewarded and celebrated in a lot of ways. You get yours. That's the way the American mind is trained to work. But God and Jesus is saying here on the Sermon on the Mount, that's not the way my followers think. My followers have an outward view of things. They're looking out for the best interest of others, and they're looking for ways in which they can impact the lives of other people because that's what salt does. That's what light does. 
And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Yeah, most certainly he makes that point in verse 16. I mean, that, that's, you know, he, he gets right to it. But, you know, even in verse 15, you know, he alludes to that idea in the analogy himself. When he's, he's painting that picture, again, an unmissable picture of you have a light and you don't cover it up. Right? Light doesn't do anything to cover it up. You put it on a lampstand so it, so it gives the light. But then he really makes that point that you just made at the end of verse 15 when he says, you know, you don't put it under a basket, you put it on a lampstand. And then he says this, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Mm-hmm. Not, not just you. You're not just getting you're, It's giving light to everybody, everybody right. that's there. And, and so, again, you have this picture that's being given that salt, that light that Jesus is talking about here is about the impact that it has on other folks. And so you certainly see that then in verse 16 where he comes right out and says it, right? Let your light so shine before men that they can see that, they can see your good works, and that they, I think him's still talking about them, that they can glorify your Father in heaven, that they see your light I think a part of that is what we talked about last week in the Beatitudes. They see your peace. They see your mercy. They see your mourning. They see your hungering for thirsting. They see the way you handle persecution. I think that's a big part of what our light is for sure. But they see that, and the good is that then they can be letting their light shine, that they can be glorifying God. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the gospel right there in a nutshell. I mean, that's how... The good news of Jesus spreads around the world is that others see what's going on in your life and the changes that have taken place as you as you have given your life to Christ, and it piques their interest, and they want to ask a question about that, or they see you finding joy in the midst of challenging circumstances, and and they want that in their lives as well as they've dealt with discontentment and grief and sadness, and and they see you finding joy even in the midst of those things, and they want to find out where that comes from. That's basically what's happening as the good news of Jesus and the change that it has had in each of our lives, it attracts other people, and it is beneficial to other people. That is that is our salt and our light going out into the world around us and calling attention to Jesus. And as he's sitting here, you know, relatively at the early onset of his ministry, that's exactly what he's calling people to do. He wants them to go out and let their light shine so that others will come and ask questions about him and figure this out for themselves so that they then can experience the great joy of being a follower of Jesus. And so this is this is how the gospel message spreads, and it's the way it still spreads today. We need to be a messenger of Christ, certainly in the way that we speak, but just in the way that we live, in the way that we interact with people, the way we approach life. Others should be able to see the light of Christ in us, and it's going to ask, it's going to bring them uh, to examine this for themselves and to explore this on their own. There's no doubt about that. So I guess as we close, I mean, it is Jesus in a very basic way saying, "My followers aren't a salt shaker sitting on the counter. Right. My followers aren't a light that is." covered up with a basket or is off. That's not the picture 
of what my followers are all about. And so we've got to be able to look at our own lives and to make sure that we are salt that's being used and applied and that we are light that is shining as brightly as we possibly can. And so it's a, it's a powerful picture given to us here, kind of at the back end of what is the Beatitudes, really the introduction uh, to the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, you know, I'm excited to, to see where Jesus goes from here. We've got a lot more still to cover. We'll put the brakes on here for this study, and we'll look forward to studying again with you next week.